ghosted. We've all been ghosted, hadn't we? We have probably all ghosted someone and we have all been ghosted. Google says ghosted is the art or practice of abruptly cutting off all contact with someone, usually without any explanation, no longer accepting or responding their phone calls, text messages, I am, or Facebook. Basically, we block them from our lives. We've all blocked and we've all been blocked. And ghosting hurts. When we, it doesn't hurt as bad when you're ghosting, but it hurts worse when you are being ghosted, doesn't it? Somebody you love, you care about, you've invested in, and all of a sudden, they're just gone. You, you don't know why. I've been ghosted, I'm, I'm gonna say hundreds of times, really the little number's probably in the thousands. I believe I led to the Lord. People I've helped uh, get delivered from strongholds, people that I've helped save their marriage, people that I've seen, man, come out of the muck and the mire and helped them and then look around and they're gone ghosted, not knowing why they left, what was going on. So after, you know, enough years in the ministry, I began to say, hey, you need to get used to this because as a pastor, being ghosted is an occupational hazard. Are you with me? It's just an occupational hazard. And if you're going to jump on board the gospel, you're going to get ghosted too. So Again, ghosting usually happens because of something that was said or something that was done or how somebody is or how they were or how you are, but it doesn't matter. Being ghosted is just, it just doesn't feel good. And it's, again, it's way worse when it's done to you than when you're the one that does the ghosting. But there's something worse than being ghosted. Happens every day all over this world. Tragic, eternal consequences and that is the people that where we live, work, study, shop, and play, when we do not ever share Jesus with them, we have ghosted them and ghosted the gospel. And if we were all honest, we've all ghosted somebody with the gospel. Would y'all agree with that? And it's gonna have eternal consequences because see, heaven and hell weigh in the balance. Now, Last couple, I worked on this message a few weeks ago. I knew I'd be teaching about 100 churches this past week in London and in Peterborough. And, and so I'd done, so I got on my first flight at five yesterday morning, got here about 10 o'clock last night, and airport to airport. And so all day I'm reviewing my notes. And I said, because I, I usually, man, I've got it. I'm, I'm so excited about it, I can't hardly stand it. Went to bed last night, not feeling great about this message, got up this morning reviewing my notes, saying, Lord, I don't understand what's wrong. On my way in, I come in early on Sunday and meet with my prayer team, and it dawned on me my feeling. Have you ever gone to class to take a test and knew you were gonna get a bad grade? Knew. Whether you didn't study or you didn't know the information or whatever, I drove in with that feeling this morning. And this is why, because after 42 years of ministry, most of you are not going to do what I talk about today. I was grieved to the core of who I was. That's because I just, I just, I don't know what to do about it. I'm going to give you what God gave me, then you can do with it whatever you will. 
but I can't, I'm responsible to you, but I'm not responsible for you. So welcome to Faith Promise this weekend. <laughs> All of our guests, listen, we love you. We're thrilled whether you're online or God behind bars or one of our physical campuses. We love you guys. And we really don't ever want to ghost you. But remember, we love God. We're not God. We're a church of imperfect people, and we make blunders all the time. And so we don't ever want to ghost you. It's our, our, our goal is not to ghost you. Our goal for all of us should be never to ghost people, but we do. And listen, because we're all whacked and jacked, it's job security for me <laughs> and Pastor Zach. Let's pray. Father, as we walk down this road of this such an important message, I pray God for incredible revelation. Lord, Moses was broken down with the burden of leading the people and you told him to call 72 of the leaders and you would take some of the spirit and some of the power off him and put it on them. My prayer today, that you take some of the burden, some of the spirit that you put on me for souls and put it on every promiser. You just put it on them, make them uncomfortable. Make them feel like I feel. Because God, the only way it seems that we're ever gonna get out of our lazy boy recliners and into the harvest field is if you pick us up and throw us. So today, God, would you open our eyes to not just hear the word, but do it. In Jesus' name we pray. And all God's people said, Amen. now you might be here this weekend and hey, you're not sure about the Bible, you're not sure about faith, you're not sure about church, we're super structured with us. Actually, this, these next, this weekend and next weekend and Easter are actually all about you and for you. Because we don't want people that know Jesus to ghost you. And some of you have been ghosted by the church. You were ghosted by someone who calls himself a Christian. And maybe you're wondering, has God ghosted me? Well, first off, let me tell you, God will never ghost you. I'll never leave you nor forsake you. I'll be with you always, even to the end of the age. Secondly, a church could have easily ghosted you. And first, let me just say, I am so sorry. But if you're here and you're not sure about God, God's sure about you. He's got an incredible plan for you, incredible purpose, if you'll line up with it. So uh, I'm gonna ask you a couple of ghosting questions. They're about to come up on the screen. Question number one is this. If you're ready, say, I'm ready. ready. Not counting mealtime, when was the last time you spent any time thanking God for your salvation? Just telling God, God, I, I still, why, why in the world would you have bent down and drugged me out? Why, God, all the people, did you pick me? Loser. Why? I, it happened almost 43 years ago. I just can't get over it. Are you with me? Number two, who have you talked with lately about the goodness of God that's not a Christian. Just about how good God is. Is God good? Yeah. Is God good? Yeah. See, we talk about what we think about and we think about what we love. It's not hard to get me to talk about hunting. I love to talk about hunting. It's not hard to get me to, to talk about cars. I love cars. But let me tell you, they pale into how much I love God. So I'm always ready to talk to about God. Number three, when was the last time you hung out with a friend or coworker that you disagree with politically or theologically? See, we have moved into echo chambers and we only talk to people that we know and we like it agrees with us. You pull up behind someone's got a 
abide and stick around and you're mad. You walk beside someone who's got a mega hat on and you're angry. Come on, I will come to your house. Don't act like you don't. And so, we, see, we don't want to talk to people we disagree with. So based on the answer to those three questions is how often you are ghosting people in your life, people that need to see a living, walking billboard of Jesus. The, the world has never been more hungry for answers in my 62 years than they are right now. Top Google searches, all about spirituality. I mean, people are asking questions. The problem is they're not asking the church because they view the church as powerless, weak, and hypocritical. They say the church won't even defend its faith. It can't be a faith worth going after. Book of Jude says, contend earnestly for the faith. See, the gospel alive and at work in us should not make us ghost to the people around us. Are you with me? This shouldn't do it. And that's why these next really three weekends, we're gonna talk about ghosted this weekend and next weekend, and then we're gonna move into Easter. And the question is, who are you gonna bring? Let me, let me ask you a question. If you knew everybody you know lost was going to die Monday after Easter, you think you could get them here? Excuse me? Are, are you with me? So, Pastor Zach's been doing a podcast, additional content. The QR code's on the screen. You can grab that. It's got some more stuff to help you tell your story, learn to give the gospel, those kind of things. Uh, so it's up there. Again, as we get ready for Easter season, by the way, we will add multiple services at every campus. Every campus will add services. Some will have Thursday, some will have Friday, some will have Saturday, some will all have Sunday, some will have Sunday evenings, Sunday afternoon. So what we need to do, Easter at Faith Promise, by the way, is all hands on deck. Are you with me? When the ship is being attacked, it's all hands on deck. So in your seat's a card for you to, to come and bring friends and sit some, but to serve at least one. Really want to challenge you to serve in the kids' ministry. And uh, so if you'll fill, that, fill, fill the card out, put it in the offering box, what service that you would serve. And we're gonna really try to drive you all away from the 10 o'clock and the 11, 11.30 or probably 11.45 at Pellissippi because we'll make them, we'll have to give more time to clear the parking lots at many of our campuses. And so, man, well, I just wanna challenge you to step up. So put it, when you'll serve, what service and where you'll serve. Are you with me? I'm, I'm asking God for 20,000 people on Easter. Is that possible? Come on, is that possible? It's possible if we bring them. So I'm just gonna challenge you, bribe them. Lunch, brunch, dinner, do what it, do. listen, if you knew that was the last opportunity, you'd, you'd, you'd go for it. Let's just go for it. Let's just go for it. Let's quit holding back. I'm gonna, I'm gonna read a pretty well-known passage of scripture out of Matthew chapter four. But I wanna show you a couple of things that we normally don't think about out of this passage. If you're ready, say I'm ready. All right, here we go. Chapter four, Matthew, verse 18. Now, as Jesus was walking by the sea of Galilee, pause. Ministry is not what Jesus did, it's what he was. Evangelism is not what you do, it's what you are. 
what you are. So the Bible says, I think it's funny, there's two guys, I think in this service, we're at a Delta lounge trying to figure out how they were gonna get to witness to each other. Both sitting in, at the Pellissippi in this service, which I thought was hilarious, only to come to find out that they both said, well, where do you live? Knoxville, so do I. Where do you go to church? Faith Promise, well, so do I. I think that's funny. They're in there hunting somebody to tell Jesus about. That's incredible. That's incredible. So as Jesus was walking, Matthew 20, the Great Commission says, as you are going, we live, work, study, shop, and play, make disciples of all the ethnos, the ethnicities. Tell everybody, make disciples. So that's what Jesus, that's just who he was. He saw two brothers, Simon. Now, Jesus knew these guys. This is not the first time. He saw two brothers, Simon, who was called Peter, and his brother casting net into the sea, for they were what? They were what? And he said to them, follow me, and I will make you what? I'm gonna make you fishers of men. He goes on, and, and he, he goes, going from there, he saw two other brothers, James, the son of Zebedee, John, the brother, in the boat with Zebedee, their father, mending the nets. He called them, and immediately they left the boat, and they followed him. Immediately, they left. They bailed, boom. See, there was a two-fold invitation. Are you ready? Number one, come and do what? Follow me. See, the rabbi would take his mantle, Jesus was considered a rabbi, take his mantle and would throw it over somebody and say, come follow me. That's what he did. Hey, boys, come follow me. It's a radical deal. And then he says, I'm gonna make you fishers of men. My question is this. Do both of those things still hold today? Excuse me? Okay. Now here's the pro This is why I was so bummed out. We all said yes, and yet statistics show the bulk of us are never going to tell another living soul about Jesus. I believe the only part of the Bible you believe is what you do. See, we are not doers of the word in America. We are hearers who've deluded themselves. Because you are called to follow him. You are called to follow him, and you are called to be a fisher of people, period. Now, let me tell you what this does. It turns the Christian life into an incredible adventure of purpose, passion, and joy. It does, man. You got a purpose. You wake up every morning, you plug into heaven just like you plug your cell phone in at night. You plug into heaven and say, God, it's going to be an incredible day. I can't wait to live this day. And I know today you're going to open up the door for me to share the gospel. I'm just wondering who it's going to be. I may see a miracle today. Today I am on mission. Today I'm working for you, God. And I can't wait to see what you're going to do. Now, is that how most of us get up and live today? Well, dear God, it's morning. I needed another 90 minutes. This day's gonna suck. Are you with me? See, we've been called to be fishers of people. Fishers of people. Now, let me ask you a question. We don't have a ton about these two, these two sets of brothers, James and John and Peter and Andrew. Let me ask you a question. Up to this point in their life, then they leave their business and they follow Jesus. Which one of those two halves do you think was more exciting? Jesus. Jesus. He's praising the dead. He's healing lepers. People are just running to him. 
Demons are screaming out, we know you're the son of God. He, man, this guy's got power. I mean, every, it's incredible. Yes, sir, they were fishing for fish. The reason our Christian life is so boring and the world sees we're powerless is because we're focused on how much money we can make, how many trophies we can win, how many degrees we can stack up. There's nothing wrong with any of that. But it becomes our purpose, not fishing for men. So when we talk about fishing, this is what we think about. We think about a rod and reel, a bobber. Bobber. I went fishing, I went fly fishing. And the guy said, have you got a fish indicator? I said, uh, I don't know, I've never heard of a fish indicator. He says, red and white round. I said, you mean a bobber? He said, not a bobber, it's a fish indicator. Makes fishermen sound smarter. It's a bobber. It goes underwater when the fish bite. Are y'all with me? It's a floater. See, we think about fishing, that's what we think about. Throwing a little bait in the water, sitting there watching our bobber, our fish indicator, and we're waiting for it to move. And that's what we think evangelism is. Some clumsy conversation with some cheap, sort of, sort of gimmicky conversation with just a little different kind of bait on it. That's not the deal. People say, Pastor, I would if I could. Here's, anybody saved at any campus this weekend? Anybody saved? Let me hear you. Okay. Do you know how that happened or did you just wake up saved? Okay, you know how to give the gospel. How'd you get it? Was it good? It was good for me. Was it good? Yeah. You talk about what you think about, you think about what you love. But here's, now, let me tell you a problem. Come on, let's be honest. Raw and real, are you with me? If we get this message, Katie, bar the door, 1% of Tennessee will be nothing. Fear of the unknown. Fear keeps us from doing so much for God. 50% of millennial Christians believe it's wrong to share your faith. Can you hear the forked hiss of the serpent in the garden saying that? Because it's a lie from hell. When we stand before the Lord at the Bema City Judgment and he says, why did you never tell anybody about me? Which of our extremely clever excuses will he accept? How many? None. Jesus said in Luke eleven thirty three, nobody lights a lamp and puts it under a bushel. No, you don't light a lamp, you put it on the table so it gives the whole house light. That's Hey, do, you know what the, do you know the bushel today over our light? It's fear. It's fear. Fear. See, now these, these two sets of brothers, they weren't fishing with a Zebco. They weren't fishing with nets. These guys were professional. They had, they had, I mean, they had it going on. They were fishing out there. See, the kind of discipleship we think about, that's not what they thought about. These guys were radical. They were radical. And so when we think about this little passage in Matthew, it's easy to miss some stuff. Are y'all with me? So when, when we talk about Andrew and Peter and James and John, we call them fishermen. You know what they'd be called today? Successful entrepreneurs. They had successful businesses. They weren't poor, illiterate, scared, timid, or weak. These guys were leaders. They were, they made money, they had homes, they had boats, they had nets. Are y'all with me? And so Jesus said, hey, come and what? Follow me. Follow me. 
Let me ask you a question. What did you give up to follow Jesus? They gave up everything. They left their boats, they left their nets, they left their homes. Peter said to Jesus, we've left everything, houses and farms and lands and boats. What is there for us? Great question. Jesus said in Matthew 16, if you want to be my disciple, you've got to deny who? Take up your and follow. See, it's radical. See, here's the deal. We tell people to pray a prayer, and Jesus said, come follow me. Pray a prayer. You don't change anything. You're good. Just write this prayer, and God's going to put the check mark. Jesus said, deny yourself. Take up your cross. We have so cheap in the gospel in the American church, it's not even funny. Come follow me. What'd you leave behind? What? See, these guys were radical followers. Are you a radical follower of Jesus? Or have we become a lukewarm bunch of panty waste who won't stand up for Jesus, who have let this wicked culture shut our love, close our light, and told us to sit back, sit down, and shut up while we, while we basically transform America? Well, I'm going to tell you, America's going to be transformed, and I'm praying this by revival. Are y'all with me? I'm praying this because God's people get fired up about the things of God. He said, come, and that Greek word, that is a physical, man, come and follow me. These guys weren't hearers of the word, James 1.22, they were doers of the word. They got in there, they followed him. How about you? What are you doing right now that demonstrates you're a follower of Jesus? Well, I'm sitting in church. Church full this weekend across America, people that don't know Jesus. Are you with me? What are you doing? See, part of following Jesus is what I call paying it forward or becoming a fisher of men. Yep. Now, did somebody tell you about Jesus? Yep. Excuse me? Yes. Aren't you glad they did? Yes. How'd you like for them to say, I'm not going to tell anybody. The culture says it's wrong to share your faith, and you died and went to hell. I'm so glad an older couple lived down the street, Ray and Viola, who took me to church when I was a kid and I heard the gospel. Would it not be for them, I would probably be dead right now for an overdose or being shot in some drug deal and I'd be burning in hell. But this sweet, wonderful old couple, she taught Sunday school, he drove the church bus, took me to church. My soul and body, folks. See, Peter and th these two sets of brothers left everything. Now, God is not calling most of us to leave our job. There may be some he's calling missions, but he's not calling us to, to leave our job but he's calling all of us to follow him. And in a very real way, he's calling us to leave the old culture behind. Young adults, I don't care about what's fashion, I care about what's faith. I don't care about what some professor at UT says, I care about what God says. Are you with me? I don't care how far we got in the basketball tournament, I care about how many people come to Jesus. I don't care, listen, I don't even care how many people are at Faith Promise this weekend. I care about the people that are not anywhere. See, it's, come on, somebody. You know, when I started fishing, I didn't, I didn't fish very well. I didn't know how to fish. There were a couple of guys at this church took me under the wing, a couple of others. One of them, Jim High School, founder, elder, very ill. Pray for Jim. Pray for Jim. He's, he's, in, he's in bad shape. But those guys taught me how. See, if you've never done anything, you're not very good at it. And so many of us are not very good at sharing our story because we've never done it. 
Are you with me? And so, man, we, we got to do it. What's going to happen if you tell somebody your story? They're going to beat you up, burn your house down, put you in prison. They do in India. They do in China. Here in America, we still have some religious freedoms. You're going to take advantage of it? Are you going to tell the Lord to get him? I couldn't tell anybody because Hollywood says don't. The most whacked up, jacked up, weirdest, psycho bunch of people in the world, those folks who live in Hollywood, followed closely by the people who live in Washington. Neither of those two groups are going to help you. Jesus will transform your life. Come and follow me. Come and follow me. I was in, took Michelle on a birthday trip last month, and it's incredible, and and wherever we go, I take my golf clubs and I get up and I go to try to get to be first off the golf course so that I'm in back to the room either before she gets up or before she gets out of the gym. It's her trip, but I did play golf every day. So I get to the golf course and I want to be first off. And they said, we're going to put somebody with you. I said, okay, but man, I want to get this round done about an hour, 45 minutes. Guy sits down. Hey, my name's Chris. What's your name? So-and-so. Where are you from? I'm from Canada. What do you do in Canada? Oh, I work on bridges. What do you do? I'm a pastor. A pastor? Really? How'd that happen? I said, I bet you've never been to church. He said, no. I said, let me tell you this great story. Come on. This great story about a religion didn't help me, but the living, resurrected Jesus saved my life. Y'all with me? <clears throat> I was winning people to Jesus before I became a Christian. So I go the next day. I'm going to play every day. I get there, I want to be first off. Well, somebody's going to play with you. Guy sits down, where are you from? Canada. I said, no, this week is the Canadian Mission Week. <laughs> no, I'm not like, what do you do? I do this. What do you do? Well, man, I'm a pastor. A pastor. Because, folks, in America, there's churches everywhere. That's nowhere else in the world. It's nowhere else in the world. And so I said, oh, I got a great story. Hit the golf ball. Hey, man, how's a drug addict? Hit the golf ball. Hey, are y'all with me? As we were playing, as we were going, I was just telling about Jesus. And here's the deal. Here's how you overcome your fear. So these guys have been hanging out with Jesus for three and a half years. He dies. He, he's, 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 and he raised from the grave. This is what he said. Hey, boys, I need you to wait in Jerusalem because you're going to be baptized with power. And after that, you're going to be my witnesses. A witness is a legal term of someone who takes the witness stand in a court of law and tells what they saw and heard. You are a witness if you know Jesus, and every day you climb up into the witness stand and you tell people what you've seen and heard. It said about those Christians in Jerusalem, they could not help but tell people what they had seen and what they had heard about the resurrected Lord. And you shall be my witnesses around the world after you've been filled with power. Now, can I tell you something? You don't get rid of the fear of witnessing until you start. Come on, somebody. I've walked in, when I sit down, that, and that guy said, what do you do? I said, I'm a pastor. My son will go, oh no, here it comes. But as soon as I start, fear goes away. We let the fear keep us from starting. Are you with me? And Jesus, when I got saved, I don't know why, but he baptized me with such a burden, such a burden that actually after a couple years and all my family and friends were going to hell, I said, God, you gotta, I can't sleep at night. 
I cried all the time. God, you got to do something. And I'm, I really am. I'm asking the Lord to take part of the burden that's on me and put it on you. But you can't get away from it. That if you go to lunch today, you'll see the servant in a different light. I wonder if they're saved. That when you pull in your driveway, I wonder my neighbor, I've never talked to him about Jesus. I've never talked to him. I wonder if they're born again. When you go to work tomorrow, I wonder if my coworkers are going to heaven. When you go to school, I wonder if my classmates. When you go to the soccer field, I wonder if my, my mates, my friends. I wonder, I wonder, I wonder. You'll begin looking at the world through saved and lost instead of haves and have-nots. Democrats and Republicans, black and white. You'll look at, because that's the demarcation forever. Those that are in, those that are out. And when I stand before him, I want to take a bunch of people with me. I want to take a bunch. Listen, I mean, when the rapture happens, I'm going to grab a sinner in each hand. I'm halfway to heaven. I'm saying, you guys repent or do I drop? <laughs> so when you wake up tomorrow, you're going to be on mission. When you pull out of this parking lot, you're going to be on mission. You're going to be on mission for the king. You're an ambassador. You are a witness. You are a missionary. You are a minister. You're a billboard. When you leave here, you already are. You're just a good one or a bad one. I love you a lot. Now I'm going to pray and then we're going to put this altar. Prayer counselors will be down. Praise him will be out. You can go to this cross. And, hey, you can write some names of some people that you need to get here for Easter. You can light a candle and say, God, I don't think they'll come, but Lord, I'm going to ask them anyway. I've asked them 432 times. I'm going to make it 433 this week. And it won't be this week. It'll be all the times you've been hitting that rock, and eventually that rock's going to crack. I'm going to say, hey, I think I'll go. I think I'll go. So we're going to open this place for God to move. Because some of you are thinking, hey, Pastor, I don't know. Come follow me. I'll make you to become a fisher of people. God, Father, I don't know what else to do. I do know that people going to hell. Actually, God, I'm, I'm really, I wish you'd have made a plan B. Heavenly videos, angelic evangelist, but you didn't, I don't understand why. But God, I hear faith promise, we repent. We repent of ghosting our friends and family. We repent. And God, you're gonna put people on us you want us to bring free. You're gonna put lives, you're gonna move. And so God, in these next couple of holy moments, I pray people will, will be very still, not try to rush out, beat everybody. I just pray for the next few moments, the Spirit of God would baptize us with a burden, with fire, with zeal, and you'll pick us up, Jesus, and throw us into the white, Harvest field in Jesus' name.